Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Gilmore here from uh, the Changing World Show and ChangingWorldProject.com, signing back in. And this is uh, part five of our lessons from a 72-hour wilderness survival quest uh, going in knife only. So in the last episode, I was chatting about uh, my thought process as we were potentially organizing a search and rescue party for one of the participants that might have been missing. And the good news that came out of that, that we, we got word that somebody else had seen that person earlier in the day. And uh, I'll get to that story in a little bit. But what I wanted to share in today's episode is to chat about some of the lessons that were coming up as I went to debrief uh, with all the different participants. So this is at about the halfway point in our 72-hour mission um, that I went out to go check in with everybody to see how they're doing. And I went to each person one-on-one. And uh, because of confidentiality and just the role that I play as a facilitator and a mentor to these folks, I'm not going to share the real nitty-gritty details of what was coming up for folks. But there were some definitely some interesting themes that I saw here. And I've seen this uh, when I've done these similar survival trainings with other people before and obviously gone through them in my own growth as uh, I've trained myself in these different things. So some of the interesting pieces that come up, and, and this really speaks to why I believe there's value to something like doing a wilderness survival experience, even in the modern day world. These, the teaching survival teaches you way more than just how to live if your plane crashes in the woods. It teaches an incredible amount about ourselves. It teaches us about leadership. It teaches about what we're capable of. It teaches us about our own ego. There's so many things that come up over and over again. So I'll just highlight a couple that came up this time that really stood out for me. I mean, a big one for folks was just the challenge and the lessons that come from being with your own thoughts. When was the last time you spent 72 hours or longer completely alone and didn't get to have a single conversation with anybody? No TV, no music, uh, no distractions. So a number of folks were definitely uh, realizing how many distractions there were in their day-to-day life. And it was amazing how the nature of this experience, although it was framed as a bit of a survival skills challenge, Almost everybody on the journey went pretty deep introspectively and we're, it was bringing up a lot of, you know, personal life stuff for folks. And I don't at all mean this in a negative way or a challenging way. Uh, actually, a lot of people in our final debrief felt like this was one of the biggest places of growth for them was just being with their own thoughts. It's also amazing to watch how your own thoughts for some folks actually froze them in their tracks. You know, they were so caught up in how quiet nature was and how much was going on in their own mind that it made it hard to navigate both that and the challenge to the point that some people realized that, you know what, I actually don't even need to go and light a fire or catch food or even purify water, that I could just sit here for three days and at the end of it, I'm still going to be alive. And I might actually learn a lot just to sit with my own thoughts for three days because that's nothing, something that I don't usually do. So some people actually took a route that was similar to that where they didn't practice a lot of survival skills and they literally just sat. And that's amazing because how many times do people panic in a survival situation and uh, or panic when they're lost in the woods or something comes up and they actually turn a pretty safe situation into a dangerous one when all reality is they could have literally just sat there and they would have been fine. They could have sat there for days and been just fine. But because they panicked, they turned, you know, 12 hours into... Uh, a almost deadly situation for themselves. So I thought that was a really interesting lesson that came up. Uh, Self-motivation was a big one, and that was kind of tagged onto it. Some people found themselves getting overwhelmed by all the different possibilities and finding it hard to motivate themselves to take the next step. And one thing that I really loved about that, there was one person that was really got set on a strategy, and they got it set in their head. You know, day one was shelter, day two was fire and water, 
And each morning they'd get up and they'd set three goals for themselves for the day. And they've said that every time throughout the day, if they found themselves drifting or getting distracted or doing something that was wasting a lot of time, they'd say, hey, is this helping me achieve one of my three goals? And if the answer was no, then they'd stop that right away and get back to something that was directly helping them achieve one of their three goals for the day. And I thought that was just awesome that they constantly reflected on these three goals every single day. Cool, my goal today is water. Is this helping me get water? No. Why am I wasting time on it? Bam, get back to water. So how useful is that just in normal life when we get distracted all the time? Uh, witnessing how hunger and dehydration affected people. So people uh, had really great journeys just around um, realizing that they were tired and a little bit sluggish, but also realizing, you know, uh, two days into this without any food and very little water, they were actually still functioning fine. And it makes you really think about what a distraction this is in real life. So there's a few of the life lessons that started coming up for people in this quest. In the next cast, I'm going to chat about some of the more practical, actual survival lessons that were coming up and some of the survival skills people were implementing. So tune in for number six. Cheers. Hey everybody, Chris Gilmore back on here with the Changing World Show. And this is part six of our 72-hour wilderness survival challenge. And in the last episode, I was telling you about some of the kind of mental lessons that people were learning from the challenge. And in this one, we're going to chat about some of the physical lessons and um, some of the cool skills that people were working while they were out on their challenge. So we had five different people. They were all out solo. If you haven't heard the rest of the story, then go to my episodes on anchor.fm on the Changing World Station and get caught up so you know what's going on. So as I went around, I went and visited everybody solo, and I'm just going to kind of share some of the highlights of some of the really cool skills that I saw being worked there. Shelter, the common thing right across the board was people underestimating how much debris they actually need to keep themselves warm. It was dropping down to three to four degrees Celsius each night while we were out there, and everybody was cold at night. Uh, that was a big challenge for folks. A couple people were shivering a good chunk of the night and getting up in the middle of the night and doing push-ups and squats because they didn't have enough debris on their fire, or sorry, on their shelter, or their fire wasn't big enough. So that was a big one. Um, but the shelter designs were really there. They were really bang on in the concepts. They were just lacking debris was really my opinion there and maybe not being as efficient about how uh, they captured heat from the fire. One really neat thing though, one of the participants on his second night, he realized that his shelter likely still wasn't going to be warm enough on its own the way he had it set up. So he warmed a whole bunch of rocks in the fire and he said throughout the night he put rocks on his kidneys, he had one down by his feet, uh, he had one in kind of around his groin. Uh, now these rocks were just warm to the touch and he basically would put the, a bunch of rocks around his body. It would allow him to fall asleep for an hour or two and then when he started getting cool he'd swap them out with other rocks on the fire and he was able to use warm rocks to keep them warm all night long so i thought that was a really awesome uh, experience for him and the first time he'd ever done that so big uh, big win big score there around water i saw some really great success a couple of people were able to boil water completely from the land so pretty much everybody uh, that attempted to boil water used birch bark that they harvested from dead trees or carefully took off the outer layers of live trees and fastened up little birch bark containers. So there's a way you can take a square piece of birch bark and fold it and then cut sticks and make slips in them and kind of clip them on the end. And you can fold it in a way that no water will escape. So you basically make a little birch bark cup. Uh, there's another way to do that as a round um, cup. So I saw a couple different styles of cups that got made out there and what people did is they went and actually harvested small pebbles and stones, uh, used a lot of quartz actually, and heated those stones in the fire 
and then took those stones and dropped them into the water that was being collected from a nearby spring uh, inside of their birch bark container and with about a dozen rocks were able to bring the water to a rolling boil. So it was really cool to see people actually make, not only uh, bring water to a boil that was safe to drink by killing all the bacteria, but also make the vessel out of bark that they drank that water out of. So that was another big win by the team. I also saw a really awesome uh, attempt at doing the bow drill, or I shouldn't say an attempt, a successful go at creating a, a friction fire kit or a bow drill kit completely from the land. Now, they did end up using a, a synthetic piece of cordage for the string on the bow drill, but they did make a piece of string in their first attempt. They harvested the bark from a tree called basswood and they tied up a piece of basswood cordage, but the cordage broke on them. So I think if they had kept playing with it and maybe doubled it over a second time, they probably could have got it lit so that the bow drill kit was entirely from the ground land outside of the knife that they carved it with, but still good on them for making the, the spindle, the bow, the handhold, the fireboard, all from the land with only a knife and getting the fire going. That basically took an entire day of playing with it and tweaking things for them to actually get the fire going. But come dark, there was a fire to go and they had the birch bark vessel container built by then and they were able to uh, boil water that night and start to become hydrated again. So all in all, it was a really uh, enjoyable experience. Uh, I definitely think in the moment, not everybody was enjoying it, uh, but coming out in the debrief, everybody did really well. People learned a ton about themselves. People had a lot of really deep reflections. People had a lot of goals and next steps coming out of it and demonstrated some really cool skills. I also learned about where some of their holes were in their game. So. Uh, you know, doing a survival quest, I hope from listening to this this audio cast, you've realized how many valuable life lessons come out of this that go so far beyond just survival itself, you know? This is really about building character. It's about building uh, mental fortitude. It's about building relationship with the land and nature. It's about knowing what we're capable of. Uh, check out changingworldproject.com. Cheers, everybody.